0: John Carter will help you today in discovering God's will. I've had lots of people over my lifetime come to me and say, how can I really know that I'm doing what God wants me to do? We're going to talk today about a, a really important question in the lives of millions of people, and that is discovering God's will for your life. Um, Most people deep down inside really want to do what God wants them to do. It's a very, very good question and wise people ask it because it's not safe outside his will. You know what I'm talking about? If you get outside the will of God, it's not safe at all. Now, there are some good stories in the Bible about this. One is the story of Abraham and Sarah. You all know the story of Abraham and Sarah. Uh, apparently, even when she was getting old, she was still a, a very beautiful woman. And God told them to go down to the land of Egypt. And so Abraham said, and he got his wife in on this act, uh, she's my she's my sister. When you think about it, it's a pretty dangerous thing to do. And Sarah said, hey, that's right. He's my brother. And then you know the story in the book of Genesis, how Sarah is seen by, by the Pharaoh. She must have been a, well, I better not say, you know, I, but she must have been extraordinarily beautiful. And she was not a, not a girl because Pharaoh got her and put her in the, in the harem. And then God sent along a message to Pharaoh and uh, it turned out all right, but it could have turned out very bad. Abraham could have been killed uh, and Sarah could have been violated. It's not safe outside the will of God. Some people say they're not bothered by lying Abraham was a good man, but he was not a perfect man. And it doesn't matter who you are, when you lie, you go down the path of perdition. God took a lifetime to teach Abraham that lying is bad, is bad, is bad. And so if if you're a person who lies, then my friend, you are in a very dangerous situation. God never condones lying. But Abraham was a slow learner. You think he would have learned this lesson. She is my sister. He is my brother. When you come to Genesis chapter uh, 20 and verse 2 and 3, you read a sequel. Genesis chapter 20 and verse 2 and 3. Genesis chapter 20 verses 2 and 3. In the scriptures. Now Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, She is my sister. <laughs> a few years later. And Abimelech, king of Gera, sent and took Sarah. And God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Indeed, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is, she's a man's wife. Therefore, apparently it seems to me that the almighty God uh, has a healthy respect for the institution of marriage. And God is dead opposed uh, to the dreadful sin of lying, which is such a dangerous thing. Sarah could have been harmed. Abraham could have been killed. So we need to discover God's will for our lives. It's never safe to walk outside the will of God, and it's good to ask, Lord, what do you want me to do? So today we're here to ponder and answer this profoundly important question, which is how does a person, how does God show me his will? Uh, many have asked this question uh, should I take this job? Does God want me to have this job? Should I? Get another job? Should I sell my house? Beverly and I are are thinking right now of selling our house in Thousand Oaks. So we've got some people coming to spiffy it up a bit next week. Should I marry this person? That's a question I've never been asked, ever. (laughs) Because people, when you come to marriage, know what the will of God is, they know exactly what they're going to do because how they feel is the will of God. Should I send my children to such and such a school? It is never safe outside the will of God. It is always safe and secure inside his will. Now come with me in the Bible to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15 down to 17. Ephesians chapter 5, 15 and onwards. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, uh, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So the Bible says, uh, and these are rather strong words. The Bible doesn't pull its punches. The Bible says, don't be a fool. But the Bible says, understand uh, what the will of God is. Now, here is a great statement. I wish you could just get this down inside the molecules of your mind. Here it is. The will of God will never take you where the grace of God cannot keep you. I want you to think of this. The will of God will never take you where the grace of God cannot keep you. And so if you are in the will of God, uh, then the grace of God will keep you safe. The will of God will never take you where the grace of God cannot keep you. But if you get outside the will of God, uh, my friend, you are not safe. I had an old theology teacher. His name was Nelson Burns. He taught us this. You are immortal until your work on earth is done. This has been a great comfort to me down through the years. You are immortal until your work on earth is done because My work has taken me into many, many dangerous places. I remember when we were running a big evangelistic campaign in Harare, Zimbabwe, used to be called uh, Rhodesia. Uh, But then of course, with independence, it got changed. Harare, Zimbabwe. And I was invited out to the television station out in the jungle. And I went out there, uh, Innocence Abroad, only to walk into a trap where my life was placed in danger. And I was marched off in the jungle down a jungle road as the sun was going down with these soldiers with their guns in my back. It's a comfort to know that the will of God is not going to take you where the grace of God cannot keep you. And you are immortal until your work on earth is done. So nothing can touch you. nothing can harm one hair of your head until God says so. And uh, (laughs) I can tell you the story, but as they marched me off down the jungle road and as this terrorist who was escorting them in his Peugeot car was saying, get rid of this man, get rid of this white man. As he turned around, leaving it to the soldiers to kill me. They cried out one by one, Pastor Carter, we come to your meetings. (laughs) (laughs) We come to your meetings. You're safe with us. They got me to the meetings on time. So you are immortal until your work on earth is done. The thing we have to fear more than anything else is fear. You hear this? You're safe in his will. So how can I know God's will for my life? I'm going to give you a number of points. And if you're taking notes, this is the time to start taking notes. Number one, God never leads me to break his commandments. And so you don't need to pray and say, well, should I break the commandments of God? God never leads me contrary to his commandments. Isaiah 48 verses 17 and 18. Isaiah 48:17. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God. I am Yahweh Elohim who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the ways you should go. Oh, that you had heeded my commandments. Then your peace would have been uh, like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. If you walk in God's commandments, you are going to be in the will of God. Let me read you this statement from a a famous German theologian. The moral laws are just as stable as the laws of gravitation. Every fuzzy human chicken that has hatched into this world tries to fool with those laws. Some grow wiser in the process and some do not. We talk about breaking God's laws. But after those laws have been broken several billion times since Adam first tried to play with them, those laws are still intact and no seam or fracture is visible in them, not even a scratch on the enamel. But the lawbreakers, that is another story. If you want to find their fragments, go to the ruins of Egypt, a Babylon, uh, of Jerusalem, uh, study statistics, read faces, keep your eyes uh, open, visit Blackwell's island, walk through the graveyard and read the invisible inscriptions left by the angel of judgment. For instance, here lies the fragments of John Smith who contradicted his maker, played football with the Ten Commandments and departed this life at the age of 35. His mother and wife, they weep for him. Nobody else does. May he rest in peace, Professor Walter Rachenbosch. So God never leads you to violate the commandments of God if you are thinking of leaving your wife for another woman, you don't need to pray about it. <laughs> you know the story of David with Bathsheba? Mm-hmm. Huh? Yes. A beautiful, voluptuous woman. And the king, who had tremendous power, and she was taking. Abbas on the top of her house just below the king's window don't tell me she was innocent abroad have you thought of the consequences of what happened here Amnon who raped his sister Tamar and Absalom who killed him in response and then there was a general Mutiny and rebellion and the end was two dead, Amnon, Absalom, one woman raped and left a desolate woman and thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of dead soldiers. Why? Because the king didn't keep the commandments of God. He gave into his lust. He got outside the will of God. He got outside the safety zone as soon as he got outside the Ten Commandments. Look at 2 Corinthians 6, 14 and 15. Here's another way people get outside the commandments and outside the will of God. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 and 15. Now, I'm almost scared to read it to you because not many people here believe this anymore. Do not be unequally yoked together with Unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness and what accord has Christ with Belial? Now look at this. Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? The Bible says, who believes this? The Bible says believers should not get connected and tied up with unbelievers. There was one person I greatly respected, even though we would not agree on every bit of theology, and that was Dr. Billy Graham. And I heard him preach with a Bible in his hand, a preacher of God, not a whispering hope, not a wimp, not a coward, not a compromising, ecclesiastical uh, politician the church today is full of those individuals billy preaching said if you're going with an unbeliever young lady drop him and drop him quick and of course billy was right but we don't preach these things today because these things will offend the congregation i say offend them where are the preachers today We don't need to pray about what God has already revealed in his word. A man came to me, a businessman. He said, Pastor Carter, pray for me. I thought he was going to give a big donation. I said, certainly. (laughs) How long do you want the prayer to be? (laughs) Uh, Now, let me be serious. He said to me, my business partner, he said, I I shouldn't have joined up with this man because he is a complete unbeliever and he's robbed me of $60,000. I said, I'll certainly pray for you. Of course I will, that you'll get the money back. But you violated the law of God. How can you expect God to bless you? God says, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. You don't need to pray about a situation that will involve us in lying, cheating, stealing, committing adultery, etc., etc. So the f- first point is this. God never leads me in a situation where I will be breaking his commandments. Number one. Number two. God reveals his will to us by opening and closing doors. This is something that is very precious to the early Americans. It is called uh, the providence of God. I believe uh, in the providence of God. I believe God leads us By opening and closing doors, let me give you a story. You know the story of Abraham. And he had a son by the name of Isaac. He said, I do not want my son to marry a daughter of an unbeliever. Because marriage between believers and unbelievers is forbidden in the word of God. If you don't believe this, it's because you don't believe the Bible. So Abraham said to his servant, I want you to go back to my father's house and find uh, a girl who will be suitable for my son Isaac. And you know the story. Isaac's, Isaac's, uh, the man who would be uh, Isaac's servant one day or Abraham's present servant sets out for the land of Mesopotamia. It's a great story. If you look at Genesis 24 and verse 27, dear hearts and gentle people, Genesis 24, 27, and he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth towards my master. As for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. So he sets out and he says, God, I don't know what to do. But I just pray that you're going to lead me. I pray that you're going to guide me. And he gets there at the time of the day. He gets to the village well. And all the the women and all the young women are coming there to draw water. You know the story? He says, God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? He says, God, could you lead me here? Could you? open a door, could you close a door? Could it be that the maiden who says, uh, would you like a drink? And I'll pour some water for your camels. Might it be that this is a sign? This will be an opening providence. You read about this in Genesis 24 and verses 12 to 14. It is a great and wonderful story. Genesis 24 verses 12 to 14. Then he said, O Lord God, Yahweh Elohim, of my master Abraham, please give me success this day. Show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, Please let down your picture, that I may drink. And she says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant, Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. And you know exactly what happens. Uh, The girl comes out, her name is Rebecca. Listen carefully to this, because those of you who are spiritually minded, will understand this. The servant of Abraham, a believer in Yahweh Elohim, was in the right place, at the right time, for the right person. So God was opening doors, and God was closing doors. Therefore, I say to you, Watch for the providences of God. Let me tell you some stories. We're shortly going to the great city of Manila. By the grace of God, it has been tremendously difficult working in the Philippines. Why are we going to Manila? Let me tell my Australian friends. Let me tell my American friends. We are going to Manila because I still believe. I'm a pastor who still believes uh, that Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. I believe this. I can't, I can't sear my conscience. I can't compromise my conscience. I believe this. David, my son, and I went there in January. We went there for a week. We were butting our heads up. It seemed against every wall. It was difficult. We couldn't get a place. And then later on, we decided that we would try to get this great and famous place, not as big as we wanted, called the Filipino International Convention Centre. I've run meetings there before. It is a magnificent, and it is the premium theatre in that part of the world. But we couldn't get the bookings made, blocked every way. Is it available? Well, maybe. Can we get it? Well, maybe. So I sent Pastor Harker, and even though he was recovering from a serious operation he got on a plane and flew from sydney eight hours up to manila even though he was suffering and he spent a week there and he made some progress and we saw doors start to open a little bit more and then i sent dr john hammond from australia these are my great friends this is the providence of god that i have these friends and he met up there in manila with a pastor whose name is pastor june and they worked together And after months and months of frustration, we finally signed a contract and we got it. This is not for the faint of heart. You've got to believe that God is with you and God is opening doors. And this is true in our lives. In Moscow, 1991, we ran a very successful campaign in the city of Moscow the first ever public evangelistic campaign by a foreigner in the history of Russia, the Soviet Union. And after that campaign, the Russian people came to me and they said, would you have enough faith to rent the hall of congresses in the Kremlin? These were heady high days. Revolution was going on. So we put a booking on it and we secured the, the Kremlin Auditorium for a great evangelistic series. But it never happened. I'm not going to tell you the story, but it was taken from us. This was a bitter disappointment for me That was good for me because it taught me not to trust in people but to trust in God. Because people, even those who profess godliness, will let you down. In 1992, because we were not allowed to go to the Kremlin after we'd paid all this money, we were sent to Nizhny Novgorod. And that was a closed city. We went from the Hall of Congresses to this place. But there we saw, as never before, in the history of Russia, the power of God. Thousands, thousands, tens of thousands coming to God. Russia had never seen anything like it before. And because of these meetings, Danny Shelton came with me to support me and to stand with me. It's good to have a friend the, these are pictures of the baptisms. Thousands are being baptized. History. And then Danny got the vision and the Spirit of God came upon him and he established uh, this 3ABN center in Novgorod, which is the largest Protestant building in all of Russia. So I never heard of it. Well... <laughs> And I'll be back soon with more amazing stories. Finding the providence of God, walking in the will of God, and knowing that you are safe. Hello friend, I'm John Carter. Behind me is the great city of Manila, the capital of the Philippines. Did you know, this is quite amazing, there are more people living in this area than in New York City, and Christ died for these people. We came here, oh, a long time ago, back in 1984. What's that, 34, 35 years ago? And we came here with a team of young people and we came to the PICC. It is our intent to come here, hire the biggest hall that's available, the greatest outdoor stadium, whatever it takes. You've got more than 20 million souls out here. And I say it again, these are people for whom Christ died. I'm asking you to pray for the people of the Philippines. Please pray for the people here in Metro Manila And please write to me, John Carter, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. In Australia, write to me at Terrigal at the address that is now showing on the screen. We're back in Manila, and we're back with a message from God. That message is, Christ died for you, and Christ is coming again soon. Please support us, write to me today, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, and also write to me at Terrigal in Australia. Thank you for your support and God bless you.